0: Hi, welcome to Web Radio Podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast was recorded before Mark Severs was sentenced to death by the judge. So that's why we're talking about it like it hadn't happened yet, because it hadn't. So enjoy the show, Carrie Kane and Beach, and you're going to find this fascinating Web Radio Podcast. Hello, my true crime darling angels. Tricia here. It's time for Web Radio Podcast, and let me tell you, do we have a show for you? You're going to be blown away. Now, we all know about the Mark Seavers case, right? I'm just going to do a quick timeline uh, for those of you who perhaps have been living in a cave and don't know anything. This is a very bizarre, tragic case, and uh, you're going to learn a lot about it today. So here's the deal. Since June 2015, Websleuths.com, that's the true crime forum that uh, we all know and love, well, we've been buzzing on Websluice since June 2015 about the murder of Florida doctor Dr. Teresa Severs. Soon after the Teresa Severs discussion forum was on WebSleuth, it became the busiest forum with tens of thousands of people coming from all over the world to read and participate in the discussion of this very bizarre murder. In June 2015, while the Severs family was visiting family up north, Teresa Severs was at her home in Florida alone. It was on the morning of June 29, 2015, a family friend found Teresa Seavers dead on her kitchen floor, beaten with a hammer. Two men were eventually arrested for Teresa's murder. Both were from Missouri, Jimmy Rogers and Curtis Wayne Wright. Now, Wayne is the name he uses, so that's who we'll be referring to when we talk about Wayne. It's Curtis Wayne Wright. Wayne and Mark Seavers were best friends since their high school days. December 2015, the state attorney released documents stating one of the oldest reasons in the world when it comes to murder for hire. Mark Seavers hired Rogers and Wright to kill his wife for insurance money. Months later, deputies arrested Mark Seavers in connection to his wife's murder. Wright pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. In 2016, Mark Seavers lost custody of his two daughters, and they went to live with Teresa's mother. In October 2019, Wright testified in court against Rogers, who was found guilty of murder. Mark Seavers went on trial and was found guilty of murder in the first, and the jury recommended death. On January 10th of 2020, the judge will, more than likely, uphold the jury's recommendation, and it will be official. Mark Seavers will be sentenced to death for the bludgeoning of his beautiful wife. Teresa. Now, what we don't know is how one woman literally put her life on the line at one point. She wore a wire and a hidden camera to meet with Mark at his home, and the police were hiding outside surrounding the house to make sure Mark did not harm our guest. She was friends with Mark Severs for over 30 years. She was the childhood sweetheart of Wayne Wright, the man Mark hired to kill his wife. Our guests talked to Mark almost every single day for many, many months, And while all of this was going on, you were on WebSleuths causing all kinds of problems for our amazing administrator, Beach. You all know Beach. Now, she is the go-to person when it comes to the Seavers case. She knows the ins and outs of this case, and she has been on the forum moderating since day one. I would like you to welcome both of our guests today, Carrie Kane and our WebSleuths administrator that we know and love, Beach. Good day, ladies. How are you? Hi, everyone. This is Beach.
1: Hi, this is Carrie. Thank you, Tricia.
0: You're welcome. Okay, we're going to make this very, very easy. Let's just start at the beginning with you, Carrie, and let's start at the very beginning. Tell us how you met Wayne, which eventually, or shortly thereafter, you met Mark, and tell us how that whole relationship started.
1: Well, actually, I uh, met Wayne uh, when I was turning 13 years old. It was my 13th birthday um, back in 1982, the summer of summer of 1982, and um, I met him at the local swimming pool in our area, and uh, pretty quickly we became boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, I felt like he was my first true love, and we ended up dating all the way up through high school and went to his senior prom together. Um, So we were together a pretty long time, um, and I have a lot of fond memories of those days. Um, As far as meeting Mark, though, I met him in 1983. It would have been the fall of 83, a year later, and my recollection is that I met him through Wayne, but Wayne testified that he uh, met uh, Mark through me and my girlfriend, Gloria, which was actually Mark's girlfriend. And so he could be right, it was over 30 years ago, and uh, I don't have a true recollection of the day that I met Mark, but I do remember the first time we were all together, and it was at a bonfire uh, that Mark had at his house. Uh, it was actually a pre-celebration for homecoming.
0: Beach, I'm going to let you take it from here. Everybody, this is Beach, our administrator on WebSleuths, and uh, Beach, go ahead. You're talking with Carrie Kane about Mark Seavers. Go for it.
2: Thanks, Trisha. Hi, hey, Carrie. Um, hey, did you? Did you stay in contact with both Mark and Wayne for years after your high school years?
0: Um,
1: actually, after high school, uh, Wayne and I eventually, we broke up, uh, went our separate ways. Um, we were never enemies, but we, we basically drifted apart, um, but Mark and I stayed friends. Mark and mm-hmm. I stayed friends all the way up through uh, the time of Teresa's murder, Uh, We became very close friends, and I would consider him my best friend. Okay. Um, When did you meet Teresa? Um, I actually met Teresa uh, the weekend of their wedding. Um, Wayne and I flew down to St. Petersburg, Florida together uh, and went to the wedding. And uh, that weekend I met her. It was at her home there in St. Petersburg. And I remember distinctly that she was in the kitchen cooking and she looked very happy and in control of the kitchen. Um, I could tell right away she was, she was a woman that was very determined uh, in life. And I could tell that she was not someone that was going to sit still in this world. Yeah. And uh, I could just tell right away that um, she was a powerful person. And I remember distinctly thinking that um, if anyone was going to change Mark, it was going to be Teresa, Uh, he met his match, basically. So you
2: felt good about them? Did you feel good about them being married? You thought it was a good match? I know Mark was your friend.
1: I was um, thrilled that he met someone that he wanted to settle down with, because the Mark I knew was never going to settle down. He was a bachelor, and... He loved living the bachelor life. But when he met Teresa, uh, it changed everything for him. And uh, he was very excited about starting his new life with her. And I was very happy to be both of them. Um, Their wedding was beautiful. And uh, it was a sunset wedding on the beach. And um, I just remember being so happy to see him happy. And uh, you could tell they both were very in love, and it was a very joyful time.
2: Wow, it took a turn somewhere, didn't it? I mean, it took a tragic turn
1: over it the years. It definitely did. Yes, it did. How did you?
2: Um, how did you learn of Teresa's death? Um, I know we heard testimony. You know, during the trials of uh, how Wayne learned, I think uh, Mark's brother called him, and uh, how did you find out?
1: It it was really odd. Um, I had just gotten home and uh, popped open my laptop and logged in to Facebook, and I saw a post on Facebook, and it was actually from Gloria, who was Mark's former first love. Uh, She had posted on Facebook that to pray for her friend that his wife, Teresa, had been murdered, and I knew that uh, she was referring to Mark. And I literally screamed. I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, I told my husband, I said, I I have to go down to Florida. I have to be there for Mark. Mark has always been there for me. And uh, yeah. so by the end of that week, I had purchased a plane ticket and uh, rented a hotel room and flew down to Florida um, on July the 5th, which was a Sunday, Sunday morning.
2: Were you able to talk to Mark or Wayne, either one, uh, before you blew down?
1: I actually, Do you know you were um, coming? well, I saw a uh, second Facebook post, I believe it may have been the following day, uh, that was from Wayne, and we were connected on Facebook, even though we weren't really talking, we were Facebook friends, and I saw uh, a post that he heard about the murder and that he and Angie, his wife, was going down there to be there for Mark and the girls. And since I knew this, I I thought, I'm going to reach out to Wayne because he's going to be there. And uh, so that way, I wasn't trying to get a hold of Mark. I knew he would be inundated with the police and all the details, everything that he had to handle that I was just not even gonna try to call him. I would Uh just work basically, uh, find out information through Wayne. I did make contact with Wayne and um, he said, you know, basically nobody knows what happened, uh, but um, he told me that he would be there and to contact him when I flew down. He actually um, had offered to drive me back to Missouri because Wayne, is from Missouri, and he said, you know, you don't have to waste your money on getting a return flight, just uh, Angie and I will drive you back when we go back home. And I I just, at the time, I was like, no, no, that's okay, I, I will get a return trip, it's no problem.
2: Well, so you flew down, you flew down so for flew the funeral, right? And yes. tell us about, you got down there, what, you got down there and lead us through what happened when you first got there.
1: When when I landed, um I did text Wayne that I had landed, I was going to uh go to the hotel and get my room and basically wanted to know what was on what was the plan for the day. Um right. And uh I got to the hotel and the hotel was completely booked because it had been the 4th of July the night before and so they didn't have a room for me, but in the meantime Wayne said, "Well, We're all meeting over at Bonnie's house. Bonnie is uh, Mark's mother. Um, We're all going to meet here, but uh, Mark does have something to do from 2 to 4 in the afternoon, Um, but we can meet here and then all get together later in the evening for dinner. So I went ahead and went over to the house, um, and um, when I got there, Wayne was not there yet, I knocked on the door and... um, Melanie, which is uh, Bonnie's partner, answered the door, and there was a family meeting going on, and she asked that I not disturb them and uh, to wait outside, and, and so I did. And I waited outside uh, probably 15 minutes or so, and Wayne pulled up and his wife Angie. From there, um, they had had a family meeting, and um, they had told some personal things, um, there to the girls. And uh, after that, um, basically, I got to see Mark for the first time and uh, sit with him and talk with him before he had to leave. Right. Um, I know um, some of this was
2: in your statement that was released early. I'm not sure when it was released. I know your statement was taken, I think, in August by the detectives when they came to yes. Missouri.
1: And I just want to say something about my statement, though. It was a rather long statement given to the police that I felt was going to be totally confidential, and I did give some sensitive information in that statement, uh, totally unaware of the Sunshine Law in Florida, which allowed my statement to be, to be made public at a later time. Um, okay, and uh, yeah. so that uh, there are certain things that I won't be touching on today um, in this interview because... It's not really necessary. Um, uh, And just to disclose this as well, I I want um, to disclose that I did contact the Assistant State Attorney's Office um, and also Mike Downs, who was the lead detective at the time, uh, letting them know that I was doing this interview and telling my story, and they had no objections. So I just want to state that as well.
2: Well good, I'm glad you cleared that up, and uh no, I imagine that was quite a surprise to see all this made public when you're you know giving a statement to the police and you feel like you're telling them things that will help them that are going to remain private, but uh Florida you yeah, know has some unique sunshine laws where everything is released and I imagine that was you know took you by surprise because it captured uh, quite a bit of yes. attention
1: very big yeah. surprise to me and um <laughs> and because I was trying to say all that I knew in case there was something the police missed or if they needed that information I tried to tell them as much as I knew uh not aware that it would be released publicly and so that was very Absolutely. difficult mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: i can imagine okay well
1: i remember in this statement
2: um you and Mark, it uh, seems like after the meeting, you were able to have um, a private conversation finally with him after, I think for the first time since you learned of Teresa's Merck.
1: Yes. Uh, when he had to leave um, for his meeting from 2 to 4, I went back to my hotel room. Uh, eventually it was ready, and um, I was supposed to meet back there for dinner that evening, um, but Mark was tied up for quite a while. So by the time I got back to his mom's house. It was later in the evening. Uh, It could have been seven o'clock or so. Um, And it it was kind of chaotic there. There was a lot of people coming in and out, people from out of town to support Mark. Um, But eventually we did uh, have a private conversation that evening. Um, It was outside in my rental car uh, just so that we could hear each other. It was just Inside was not the place to have that conversation. And so we sat in my rental, um, yeah. and, uh, it was, um, really.
2: How did Mark, how did Mark sing? Did, was he, um, did he seem distraught? Was he, I mean, I, I know how it is when a death or something happens and people are, you know, mulling around and you've got family in from out of town and of course the children that you're dealing with, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. How was he doing?
1: It's interesting because the first time that I saw Mark, I was bracing myself um, for him to be, you know, very emotional and um, distraught. And when he walked out of the family meeting that day, I remember thinking that he looked fine, he looked okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he smiled at people. He seemed um, well, normally himself. <laughs> himself and and not what I was expecting, but I just kind of blinked that away. Um, I just didn't think too much of it at the time, but he seemed all right. Um, but that evening we were sitting in the car and having this private conversation, and he did ask me if I wanted to know. What happened to Teresa? And I, and I remember I, I wanted to know, but then I was kind of scared to know. I I knew it was yeah. something tragic. Um, I knew it was a murder at this point. Um, but I did say, yes, uh, I did. Uh, and he told me that um, she was bludgeoned to death. He didn't tell me with what. But he said that she was hit on the back of the head seventeen times. He told me that she was attacked from behind. Um, and how did he, he said, know this? You know, i I didn't really ask. I just listened to him.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I i i was really taken back by what he was telling me. Um, He told me that, you know, she was attacked from behind, and he said the bad part about being attacked from behind is she couldn't hide back, and and therefore there'd be no DNA. And I thought that was a very odd thing to say, Um, so that really made me stop and think for a second. And the other thing that he said that I thought was really unusual is that he said, and there were no fingerprints found in the house anywhere.
2: He said that that night in the car?
1: He said that, and he did. And I and I remember thinking, at this point, he had told me he already had an attorney. And I kind of questioned that in my mind. If he has an attorney, who would be telling him this? Would the police really tell him this? Um, mm-hmm. So that was unusual, I thought. And uh, so then I did ask him was she asleep? And he said, no, she died in the kitchen. And, uh, I said, oh, I, I said, was she sexually assaulted? And he said, no. And he said it assuringly. No, she wasn't. And, um, you know, basically those are the things that he, he told me, he did tell me He's that not- she likely died on the second blow. Um, I thought he had told me the coroner told him this. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And later, when I flew back to Missouri, I was totally um, unaware that the autopsy had been sealed. And Mm -hmm. so when I read that, I instantly thought, how did he know this? Um, So whenever I talked to him on the phone back in Missouri, I brought that back up and I asked him, how did he know these things? And he basically said the funeral director told him. Um. So anyway, deme- um,
2: is the, he is he crying when he's telling you all this? I mean, that's a pretty he, brutal. He yeah,
1: story. you would think that he would be, but he there were no tears. He acted upset, but there were no tears. There weren't any tears. Um, and he went on to to talk about some other things also um, that I won't get into, but um, basically those were the things that he told me about the murder.
2: I was going to say, you were talking when he asked you, he said there were no fingerprints found, and I'm trying to recall, but if I remember, the house was still a crime scene at that point, was it not, or had they released it?
1: No, it was released. It was released on that Friday, uh, and then the next Uh, Then I flew down on that Sunday, so it was two days later. Okay. Um, But he had already had an attorney at this point, and I couldn't figure out if the police would really give him that information. I thought that was odd, but then when I later read that the autopsy was sealed, I didn't understand how he knew these intimate details of her death.
2: No. No. Did... Did you feel that way that minute? Because that's a lot to take in for a friend to tell you. Or was that just upon reflection? All that started, you know, the questions started flooding. They would have flooded through my mind, too. It would have taken it a little flood, while, probably. It
1: did, but I, you know, I have one of these minds. Yeah. I was just basically thinking, well, I'm just being paranoid or I'm just, you know, overly thinking this. So I just pushed it out of my mind. Um, yeah. But after we got out of the car, and, and I left that evening, um, it was really storming out. It was one of those nights in Florida that if you're ever down there and it's raining and it's lightning and thundering, it's really dark out, and I was not familiar with the area, so I had this new GPS, and um, I was trying to get back to the hotel. I had traveled there alone, and I was driving, and I noticed a car that was following pretty closely behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, and every turn that I made, this car turned with me, um, as I'm driving down the highway, it's like a a two lane highway. Um, and it's very dark. There's not a lot of streetlights and it's storming and this car is still with me. And so I kind of speed up and they speed up and then they get into the left lane, the fast lane, but they ride right in my blind spot and they stay there the whole time. And uh, I decide that I'm going to get off the road at the next gas station. I'm just going to get off and let them go by because I'm already, you know, feeling well, yeah. creeped out by the details. I'm by myself and I drive. And as I approach this gas station, I'm, I'm going pretty good speed. And I decide to make a right turn into the gas station quickly so they have no time to get over. I make yeah. a right turn into the gas station and they cross two lanes and make a right turn into the gas station also, this car that was following behind me. And they oh pulled up goodness. at a gas pump, and I'm at the other end of at a gas pump, and their windows are all tinted. And um basically, I was going to wait there until they got out to pump, and then I was going to leave. And they never got out to pump. So I took off. And I took off, and I'm driving to the hotel, and I'm frantic at this time because I'm convinced that this person was definitely following me. Yeah. Um, and so I I finally make it to the hotel, and I run to the parking lot. I get inside. I run to the lobby. I get on the elevator. I get to my room, and I deadbolt the door, and I I just nearly collapsed. I was scared out of my mind. Um and well, in retrospect, I-, I know I know I asked.
2: We interviewed Sheriff Scott during that time, and um, I asked him. I think it was the second time that he was on, Weblish Radio, and I asked him, I believe, if Wayne was a suspect or if either one of them were a suspect at the time of Teresa's funeral, and he answered yes. So, they may have, you know. It's possible they may have had uh mark under surveillance or both of them under surveillance
1: yes i didn't wonder that at the time but later after learning so many other things i i wondered if they wanted to know who was in that car uh who mark was speaking with and um
0: yes okay everyone we are listening to carrie kane carrie kane is a friend for 30 years of Mark Severs, who was just convicted of first-degree murder and will be, hopefully, without question, sentenced to death. Also joining Carrie is Beach. She is our administrator, uh, just extraordinary administrator at Websluice, and she has been on the uh, Mark Severs, Teresa Severs case. Since day one on WebSuits, it's one of our most active forums, and uh, she's the one that keeps everybody in line. So, uh, Beach and uh, Carrie, I just have a quick question for you, Carrie. You're talking about being followed, and that would be terrifying because up until the point where they crossed over two lanes to turn into the gas station with you, you might be able to convince yourself it was just a a coincidence, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. That is exactly right.
0: Did you ever hear... From anybody that that was the police or or anything, any solid ideas now, today, who that could have been?
1: No. I have no answers to that, and I probably will never know. I later on thought that it had to be surveillance of some sort. The windows, it was one of those cars that was unmarked, and it had uh, tinted windows, and uh, so you could not see in there. And when I got to the gas station, and I was sitting at the far end pump, and they were at the other end, they never got out of
0: the car. Boy, you know what? So I
1: knew that I had to be followed. Right,
0: and unfortunately, I would, I would hope that uh, the cops wouldn't be that amateurish. 'Cause that's pretty you know, I mean that's kind of like, Hey, hello, I'm following you, but maybe it was the cops. it's it's scary nonetheless because it could have been
1: scary.
0: somebody I
1: have more comfort thinking it was the police mm-hmm. than thinking it was something else. Right,
0: right. But they were must they that's must not amazing. have taken uh, you know, following close by one oh one because <laughs> You just kind of don't do something that <laughs> obvious, in my opinion. Anyway, I apologize for interrupting, ladies. Beach, continue oh, yeah. on. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat here because I, I can't wait to hear what's coming up.
2: I believe the next day was a memorial service. Is that correct, Carrie?
1: It was, and and let me just say that when I got back to the room that evening after that terrifying evening, um, I did have a phone conversation with Mark, and um, he had been he found web sleuth somehow um and i had not heard of web sleuth and he was telling me on the phone that it was this website that sleuths cases um you know cold cases and current active cases and he was um reading some of the comments that people were leaving on there um so i thought you'd be interested in knowing that <laughs> but he found that pretty quickly uh and it wasn't that he was overly worried about it, but he wanted to know what people were saying, definitely.
2: Oh, sounds like he Googled himself and found WebSleuth, you know. And then it's did possible. He, did he say, um, did he sound if he was angry? Because I know there was a lot, well, there was, at the very beginning, there were both sides. A lot of people thought he was being railroaded, and a lot of people, other yeah. people thought, you know, he definitely had a role. And, um, he made
1: comments, know. and he said, uh, you know, basically, people people always think the husband first. Um, I can't remember the other things he was reading, but I do remember him saying that. Um, yeah. And then um, after we got off the phone that evening, uh, the next day was the memorial service. Um, I did uh, drive myself there, um, I remember walking in and seeing him standing uh, next to the coffin. Um, He looked sharp. He had this really nice suit on, and um, he was, you know, people were telling uh, telling him their condolences and, you know, hugging him. And I sat down about three rows back, and Wayne and his wife were there, and they sat next to me. And uh, this went on for a couple hours there. Hmm. Um, I, I remember distinctly seeing him showing that he was upset, but it came across very phony. Uh, it stood out to me right away. I, I was sitting there thinking. Even this. that day, huh? Especially that day, the funeral. Especially that day. I, that's when I saw it. Um, and that's when it stood out to me, and I I was actually mad at myself for even thinking that he's faking it because I thought I can't mm-hmm. think this. He just lost his wife, but yes, in reality, I I couldn't I couldn't push that aside. It was not real. It was not real. Um, well, he was and,
2: your friend, uh, and you knew him. You know, you knew him, and you
1: very well, very well.
2: Right, um, and so and, it would. Something came across as unnatural. I think you would pick up on it, you know. I picked and... up
1: on it. I definitely did. And uh, and I stood in line. Um, and once I got up to him, and I gave him a hug, and I I'm crying so hard. I'm so emotional. I'm so upset for him, and he couldn't look me in the eye. He turned to the side and looked away. Uh, he he did say, "Carrie, my lifelong friend, Carrie." You've always been there for me. Um, yeah, he did say that. Uh, but he would not look me in the eye. That was another thing that stood out to me. That's not him. Mark would always yeah. look me in the eye. Definitely. Well, I
2: think you've got really good instincts, even re, you know, going over your statement, listening to your audio statement. I think you are blessed with good instincts. And, I, you know, those red flags come up and um, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, too. I don't push them down anymore. I used to push them down. I don't do it anymore. I try to listen to them. My gut instinct. Absolutely. um,
1: I think out of everything, that's what I learned the most from all of this is that when something is speaking to your gut, you need to listen because it's usually right, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So
2: Wayne is there and you're sitting with Wayne and Angie. What's Wayne's demeanor? You know him really well too.
1: Yes. Uh, Wayne, you know, interestingly enough to me, he seemed pretty normal. Um, you know, he talked about some stories of, you know, his, um, accidents he's had, he just kind of made conversation. There was nothing really, um, specific. He just was making conversation. Um, he basically did talk a little bit about Teresa, um, Uh, diagnosing him with um, Lyme's disease at some point. He had been having um, problems with having lack of energy and some other symptoms, and he said that she did not diagnose him with Lyme's disease. So I knew that he knew Teresa. But we we talked, and when the ceremony got started, well, actually, let's step back before them, when they wanted to show... slides of Teresa. They were all these pictures of Teresa that they actually had music playing with them. And it was just, it was really an amazing slideshow. And um, about her whole life, you know, her family and uh, beautiful pictures of her. But they were having a problem getting it working. And uh, Wayne is a tech guy. He knows how yeah. to do these things. And he got up, and he helped them, and he made it work, and everybody was so happy. And they are like, Wayne, you're a hero. You're our hero. And I was like, good going, Wayne. And we were all really praising him because the family wanted these pictures shown. And um, and they were, you know, it was amazing. It was well done. Um, but after that, uh, when the actual funeral started, they had um, planned on a video showing of Teresa of her, you know, she'd started making these videos for her TV show, and they wanted this video to show, and it just kept looping. Something was not working, and it kept looping, and it kept, she kept saying, hi, I'm Dr. Teresa. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa, and it wouldn't work, and uh, and I, I kind of nudged Wayne, and I said, Wayne, you know, go help. And he said, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. And I looked at him, I was like, why won't you help? I didn't say it, but I looked at him wow. and I thought, what a jerk. I, I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. And he knew the family wanted this video shown, but the video wasn't shown because he he wouldn't help.
0: So you know that was odd to me. Mean,
1: that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, but the funeral started, and uh, uh Josie got up and said um, a eulogy that was tear jerking. Everyone there was crying their eyes out, crying their eyes out. um Anyone that cared about Teresa got up and said something. It was very emotional, and uh it was time for Mark to stand up and he said, uh, very short and sweet." Uh, he basically said, I was the luckiest man alive, and I still am. And that's all he says. I still that's all. That's all. And,
2: and that was I all. just
1: wanted more. I I just wanted well, yeah. to hear that, you know, how broken he was. I wanted to hear that, you know, life will never be the same. I wanted to hear more from him. But he yeah. didn't say anymore. Our so, um, and basically, after that, the um, the coffin was wheeled back down, and as they were wheeling the coffin down the aisle there, as it got to me, um, Wayne just started coughing, and he started, like, gagging, and he, he stands up, and he runs out of the church, and Angie, his wife, runs after him, and I'm like, what is going on, and uh, they don't come back in, and so they stayed out there, um, and then everybody filed out after the coffin went down the aisle. And uh, I later heard that he had had what appeared to be an asthma attack. Um, but I remember thinking after all of this um, came to light that out of all the people in that church, Wayne's the one that ran out.
2: I wonder if he didn't want to do the videos because it was a lot Teresa speaking and it was i don't know maybe i'm giving him too much heart here, you know but um, that
1: that's that was actually my thought later when when i reflected back on it after knowing he was arrested i thought pictures are one thing but to hear her voice mm-hmm. he didn't want to hear her voice he didn't want to see her face that's my opinion yeah. definitely um but after know. that we all left and we all went to a restaurant uh South Fork restaurant and met up, and uh, I still, again, thought Mark's behavior was very strange, and in fact, it became more serious in nature, and he didn't talk to me at all. He would walk away with Wayne, and then they would come back. Uh, Then they'd walk away again and come back, and I just didn't understand what was really going on.
2: Um, Well, um, so... You go, uh, I believe you're going to fly out the following day, right? You were there correct. for the memorial service. Yes. I went to dinner, and then you go back and you spend the night at the hotel, and you're flying out the next day, correct?
1: Yes. Um, as we were leaving the restaurant, uh, there was mention about taking the girls swimming uh, that night, maybe to get their mind off of things, uh, let them relax a little bit because it was a very long day. Um But it it really struck me as odd because, you know, Mark and Teresa have a pool at their house, and Mark chimed in very quickly and said, oh, we can all go back to the house and go swimming. And Um, I said, what? The house? I thought that was an odd thing to say. Um, Yeah. Uh, And that was another thing that stood out to me.
2: They're already back Mm -hmm. in the house with the children staying overnight there. Um, no,
1: actually he was staying at Bonnie's house still, but I thought it was odd that he would invite everybody back to the house. Yeah. It was just where a brutal crime took place. And I didn't think that that was appropriate. I remember thinking that is so inappropriate. Um, yeah, but anyway, they, they leave and I leave and, uh, They went back to the house, and I really don't know what they did that night. But I went back to my hotel room. Um, I did talk to Mark later that night, and we made plans to see each other before I flew back, which would have been on a Tuesday morning, so the day after the memorial service. And um, he asked me if I wanted to stop by the house, and I had said to him, you know, if you're planning on moving back in that house, I think it needs to be preyed upon something. There, there needs to be something that happens there before you move back there, because he talked about wanting to move back to the house. Um, yeah. So I did come by. I agreed to meet him the next day, and we met at 9 o'clock in the morning um, at the house. I pull okay. up in the driveway... Um, he's on the side of the house. He's looking at the side door that had been broken into, and he is just so irritated that the police took the door, that the door jams gone or off. He's he's just really irritated when he walks out to my car. Um, and I was like, Mark, you know, there, there's hopefully some evidence on that. I had told him back in the car that I heard on the news that, there was possibility that prints on the door might lead to the killer. They took that for a reason, and I was trying to give him hope. Um, but he was more well, irritated that the door was gone. You know, so I thought that was odd. Uh, I yeah, that was really his choice
2: odd. of things to be irritated about are a little bit odd. I mean, exactly. I don't, your wife is you brutally would think murdered. That
1: would give him hope, especially since yeah. There was no fingerprints in the house. That's what he said. Exactly.
2: Okay, so. You go in. How was that visit?
1: Well, um, we were actually in the garage at this point, and we both said a prayer, and it was a silent prayer, um, before we walked in the house. And I was getting ready to go in the house, and I said, go ahead, Mark. And he said, and he looked at me, and he said, oh, no, after you. And it was the way he said it and the way he looked at me that was so creepy and so weird. And I didn't know why he was acting like that. I, I couldn't understand why he would say it like that. Uh, so I did go in. I went in first and he was behind me. And as I walked into the laundry room there, there was like two steps. I climbed up, walked into the laundry room. I distinctly remember thinking, I'm walking in this house, the exact way Teresa walked in the house that night, she was murdered, and I remember mm. thinking, "Did somebody walk behind her too?" Um, That's so. I get in the house. It was it was unnerving. Yeah. I walk in. Um, I see the laundry room, and I you could see the walls were heavily fingerprinted from all the fingerprint dust all over the laundry room. You could see like the cleaning closet there and this deep sink on the right. And then the washer and dryer were on the left. Uh, they were black, washer and dryer, um, elevated on stands. But anyway, I go into the kitchen and a heaviness in that kitchen was unreal. I cannot even describe the feeling. They had like the funeral flowers were placed in different, uh, on the counters and different areas in the house. And there was just this heaviness that came over me um, and Mark in the meantime comes around and walks in front of me and is standing near the refrigerator to the left. And he said, this is where Teresa was found right here. And he points to the ground and he said, basically where you're standing and where I'm standing. And uh, I said, Oh wow. And uh, I, In my mind, I was thinking, okay, he told me she was attacked from behind. And so I just turned around and looked behind me. And directly behind me was the uh, pantry. And the door was slightly ajar. Uh, It was just slightly ajar. And I said, is this your pantry? And he said, yeah, and check this out. And he opens the door, and there is a, a block of wood, like a big block cut out of the wood of the door and he goes and and they did this and uh he goes i don't know why they would do that and i said well that's it somebody was in that closet somebody was in that pantry and he just kind of looked at me and he gave me this very odd look and then i said you know i kind of played it out in my mind i walked into the pantry I closed the door, but not all the way. And you could see that the angle was, like, perfect if she were walking in the kitchen. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I kind of pressed it open with my hand and walked out and kind of acted like, you know, well, this was how she was attacked from behind. Mm-hmm. And he gave me this look that he has never given me in the entire 30 years that we've known each other. Uh, the look was as if he knew I figured something out. And he didn't like it. Not at all. And then I oh got nervous. I was nervous, but I didn't know how to how to leave the situation at this point. So how I to kind diffuse of played it, it off. yeah. Yeah, I didn't know how to defuse it. I'm like, oh, I'm sure she walked in in the middle of something. I'm sure they just jumped in the pantry. I tried to play it off, uh, and mm-hmm. then he started making phone calls and doing things and um, basically... I just kind of stayed back from him a little bit and let him do what he needed to do. Um, He had placed some phone calls, um, and one that stood out to me was that he uh, called regarding Teresa's cremation, and he wanted to know the exact time she was being cremated. And they told him the exact time was going to be 10.15 that morning. And I knew I had to leave there at ten. And I was thinking, I don't know exactly where this place is. Is this the same place that they had the services? I don't think so, because that was the church. So I didn't know where it was, but I I was thinking, he's not going to have enough time to go there. And he had told me, I I might want to see Teresa for one last time. But whenever we left that day, I remember thinking, I don't think he's going there. I, I don't know why he called him, but I don't think he's going there. And he did talk about some other things there.
2: Um, so, I mean,
1: basically, that's how. Do you think he did that so you
2: would leave, that you had hit too close to home, or do you think he did that because he had somewhere else to go?
1: I don't know, and I'll never know why he did it, other than I think he became very nervous with me there, and mm-hmm. he just started doing things, filling in the time, because he didn't really want to stand there and talk to me. That. Right, basically how I was feeling. Um, when he was on the phone making some calls, I did uh, go over and look at the doggy door. I, My husband and I had talked about maybe entry possible entry points if somebody broke mm-hmm. in that house, and we remembered we were there one other time, and we remembered that there was this doggy door. And so when he was on the phone, he was in the kitchen, and I walked over to that doggy door, and I was looking at it, and I, I could see that there was an insert that would kind of block it off so that the dogs either couldn't get in or get out. And I saw right. it next to it, and I was just looking at it and bending over looking at it, and I thought, that's a good size doggy door. Um, but when I stood up and turned around, he was standing directly behind me and just staring at me. And mm. he was it was not a friendly look at all. And I knew I had to get out of there. There was one... Um, One thing that struck me odd, too, is he had his gun out when I was there, and he had it on the counter. And in the meantime, uh, it was earlier, uh, right around maybe five, ten minutes after we had been there, there was a loud noise in back of the house. Um, And he grabs the gun, and he runs to the back of the house, and he's saying, I have a gun, I have a gun, and he's going in the back bedroom. Uh, well, I was shaking like a leaf at this point. I, I thought I shouldn't even be here. This is this is too much. I can't handle this. This is. I'm scared out of my mind, thinking maybe there is somebody in the house. Maybe there's an intruder. Um, and he came back and he said it. It must have been some papers that fell or something that made the noise. Um, I will say that later when all of this came to light. Um Wayne was still in town at that point; he was still in Florida, and I had wondered if Wayne was there with him, and mm-hmm. he may have been in the back bedroom listening to our conversation because i I felt like maybe they didn't trust me or maybe I was asking too many questions. I didn't really mm-hmm. know, but I often wondered if we were really alone that that day in that house. Mm-hmm. And I'll never know. And when I left out, when we left, we left right at 10, and I got in my car, and I'm putting in, uh, you know, to find the airport on my GPS because I'm going directly to the airport. And he sat in his car the entire time. He would not leave until he made sure I left. And I thought that was really weird. And I was having trouble getting this to come up on my uh, GPS Um, So I was sitting there for a few minutes, and I eventually get it, but he sat there, and he was just acting like he was busy in his car. He sat there the whole time, and when I left, he was still sitting in his car, and I never really saw him pull out. So I've often wondered if we were were the only two in that house that day.
0: Okay, we're going to wrap it up there for part one, but part two is right here on the same page. So part two is next on WebSUSE Radio Podcast.